uh, and new opportunities that you have for us, God. I pray that you would just give uh, give us peace where we need peace and uh, and strength where we need strength. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, three to seven can cut out. Everybody else, open your Bible to John chapter twenty one. John chapter 21. I was going to preach this on Easter, but I hadn't been here. Maybe the Lord didn't want me preaching on Easter. Maybe he wanted me to preach it this morning. <coughs> or maybe I needed to wrestle with it for two more weeks until I finally got it. But John chapter 21. Everybody awake this morning? All right. You know, at this point in the scripture, Jesus had rose from the grave and uh, given absolute victory to us. Amen. And in that, he had shown himself at least twice to the whole group of disciples and then um, to individuals. That's what it talks about in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so uh, they had they had already seen the Lord risen. And it had been a time period now of about a week since they had seen the Lord. Chapter 21, verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. <clears throat> Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, Well, we're going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come now, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits. That's, a, that's about 100 yards or so. <clears throat> dragging the net with fish. And then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. I'm going to stop right there. Um, and I want to talk to you this morning about getting back on course. Uh, in this passage of Scripture here, uh, there's a lot of commentaries, a lot of different thoughts of people. So I'm just going to kind of give you my thoughts, and, and other people can have their thoughts if they're different. But, but in this passage of scripture, I, I, I don't believe it's that Simon Peter was drifting into his old, his old life as far as sinful or things like that. He wasn't running from the Lord or the Lord's calling because when he recognized that Jesus was there, he dove in and he swam to the Lord. And so it's not, a, I'm not talking about a drifting into sin or drifting into you know, uh, an old, the old sinful nature. When I say drifting, I'm talking more about 
Sam, I believe right here when Simon Peter, you know, was was said, you know what, I'm going fishing. If you'll think about all that he had been through, and, and I guess I'm just going to um, speculate, but. But, you know, that, that all the things that Jesus had taught them, they had walked with Jesus three years, and the Lord told them that they were going to go out, and they were going to minister, and they were going to preach the gospel to the world. And then you see uh, Peter also denied the Lord three different times on the night that Jesus was crucified, but Christ had already came to him, I believe, and restored that when he met with him personally after the resurrection. <clears throat> um, and all these things are going on. So I don't know whether it was pressure of what was... Uh, what they were facing, maybe pressure of ministry, maybe it was he thought that the Lord had such great expectations of him. Maybe he was, even though the Lord had came to him, maybe he was still dealing with guilt over his denial of Christ three different times. But whatever it was, they were on the they were on the seashore there of the Sea of Tiberias, and he made a decision. He said, "You know what? I'm going fishing." And you remember Peter was a fisherman. He fished his whole life. Probably his daddy was a fisherman too. And he was a professional fisherman at that. And you can imagine, okay, when you think about, uh, in your life as a Christian, there are a lot of things that once you're saved, it's really kind of hard to accept. One of them is grace. Grace is one of the hardest things for some people, maybe not all, but for some people to accept grace, to recognize that you're not that old person anymore. And that God doesn't have these great expectations of you. Um, and that that even though every single one of us make terrible choices after we're saved, you know, that we don't have to walk in guilt and condemnation before the Lord. But, you know, the devil puts all that on us. And we feel like we, we I think, ourselves let the, our self-inflicted pressure of Christianity living up to what we think the Lord expects. Sometimes it causes us to go, you know what, I might just go back to my old identity, who I am, the comfortable lifestyle that I'm used to, my way of living, you know, plan, the plans you had for your life. For me, for instance, it could be, you know... Uh, to try to illustrate this better for you, you know, I grew up working <clears throat> um, with my daddy since I was a little bitty, you know, carpentry and doing all that junk and building. I never wanted to do, but somehow I ended up I'm doing it. And and that honestly kind of became who I am in one way and an identity for me, something I'm comfortable with, something I relate to. You know, not a lot of pressure in it for the most part. And then then God called me what I never expected or desired to be, to be a pastor, which makes me totally uncomfortable. It's not who I naturally am. I, I, and this may be this message just for me, but I deal with the same expectations I feel like maybe God has that he doesn't. And a lot of times when those things come in our life, we we do what I would call a drift. We begin to drift back into that identity that I used to be, the person that I'm comfortable with, not not the person that that Christ sees me as, but who I see myself as. You understand? Are y'all with me this morning? Am I making sense? But here's the thing: when you're saved, when you come to know Jesus, everything changes. You you can't you can't go back. You can't go back to living the same life that you lived and being the same person that you were. Uh, if you can, I don't know if you're even saved, but if you can go back to that and stay in that, it just, it doesn't work for you. And so here Peter's kind of drifting away from, you know, being Peter. And let me explain what I'm saying here. Anytime that Jesus referred to him as Simon, son of Barjona, 
it was always in the context of referring to who Peter used to be, his natural man, his fleshly man. But 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 when he referred to him, remember Jesus said, you will be called Peter, which means a small stone. That was his spiritual name. That was his identity in Christ. That was who Jesus saw him as. I can, I can imagine when all the other disciples around, you know, that when Jesus said, your name is going to be Peter, you're going to be a rock. Some of the other disciples like, you know, the Lord don't know him. But anyhow, you know, maybe that's the way we see ourselves. God sees you in a total different way in Christ. Well, I think one of our biggest problems is not a struggle with sin. It's a struggle with believing. Struggle with believing that God's grace is enough to make us who he says we are. And that, that Jesus said the identity we have in him is completed because of him, not because of us. And so believing and relating to that becomes very difficult. And so... So the next thing you know, you know, he, he says, I'm going fishing and he starts, he starts this drift back into becoming Simon, uh, son of Jonah rather than the, the identity that Christ gave him. We, we do the exact same things. You know, it had been a whole week here, a whole week since they had seen Jesus. And all of a sudden, Sunday's course turns to Monday's drift. Some of us do that. Some, some of you may be a whole knob. But maybe Sunday's the day where you just like, oh, this is where I really focus on the Lord. This is the main day of the week that I hear something and I'm fed. And maybe you start back into the week and maybe you don't read your Bible. Maybe you don't walk with the Lord and fellowship with the Lord day by day. And all of a sudden, Sunday's, you know, Sunday's course turns to Monday's drift. It don't take us long to get off course, does it? And, and in life, we get off course and we, we, we hear the message and we, we worship and we're focused on the Lord and Sunday's really good. Sometimes it don't even take Monday. You, you know, you leave out of church and all of a sudden you're like, okay, the reality is the way we like to work. Reality's bad and I gotta be this person. And I, you know, I don't, there's no place, you know, on my job side or in my house to be that, you know, whole Jesus-y thing. So, so I begin to drift back into being who I naturally am and who I'm naturally comfortable with. That's not who God wants you to be. Okay, that's not what he had for Peter, and that's that's not what he has for you. And so I want you to think about, about this drifting in your life. Okay, rather than embracing the person that Christ wants to make you, you know, we drift back into being that person. Drifting has a great effect. Because if you'll notice here when Peter said, I'm going fishing, all the other ones who were there with him said, we're going too. When you begin to drift, it affects the people around you in your life. When you when you drift away from your walk with the Lord, when you drift away from God's calling and purpose and plan in your life, it's going to affect you because others are going to follow you in that drift. If you're a parent, understand when you begin to drift, you're you're taking those kids right out in the boat with you. You're drifting, they're drifting with you. Wherever you're going, they're going. And, and sometimes it's a negative effect because when we're off course, our kids get off course, okay? And again, I'm not, don't try to paint this up as a, well, I'm not off course in a sinful lifestyle. I'm just talking about not being focused on the Lord, not being focused on His purpose, but being totally given light to our worldly things and our cause here. And, and, you know, it don't take a whole lot for you to drift. And, and think about the people that you would be ministering to. You know, when I get off course, it affects some of y'all. And, and say, so do you get off course? Oh man, I'm a drifter, honestly. And, and, the, and I thank the Lord. He always, he's always there to bring me back and get me back on course. But, but maybe none of y'all have this trouble. So just listen and pray for me as I, as I preach. Amen. But, but here's the thing you'll notice, especially when you know God's plan. Peter knew God's plan. And I believe that every single one of us here is a born-again believer. If you're a born-again believer and you've walked with the Lord for any time, you know God has a different plan. 
You know he's got a different purpose, a whole different calling for your life. Not that you're going to be a preacher, but for every believer, God's got a different course that he wants to take you that's for his glory, that's for your good. It's a kingdom purpose. And when we get off course of that... And all of a sudden we go, we want to, we want to back up. Sometimes maybe it's, um, other things that come about in your life that cause you to go, I don't want to be on that course anymore. You know, sometimes people in church and maybe they say things or do things or maybe it's another believer somewhere else and this says or does things, you're like, okay, I see it. I don't want nothing to do. I see it all the time. I don't want to do with that church stuff if that's what church is about and then people get off course and they think they can go right back to where they were if you'll notice here it says that these men now you're talking about 90 years of fishing experience between peter james and john they were at least 30 years old they've been fishing their whole life but they still didn't catch any fish and, and you'll find out that if you want to try to go back to being that person that you were that it's going to be very unproductive and frustrating If the Lord is with you and he's walking with you, he's molding you, you can't go back into being the same husband, the same wife, the same parents, living for the same things that you lived for prior to knowing Jesus. And and here's the thing, it doesn't matter how much knowledge that you have, how much experience that you have. Think about these dudes grew up fishing on the Sea of Tiberias. They knew every hole. They knew every place to fish where they knew where to fish, what depth to fish, when to fish, and they still couldn't produce anything and here's the thing you and I cannot possibly produce what we desire no matter how much we try no matter how much we money we try to you know give towards that how much effort your education all of those things cannot possibly produce what a born-again believer desires and sometimes we want to take life in our own hands we want to get on our own course and we want to try to make things happen because it's not happening fast enough you know, as far as we're concerned with what the Lord's doing. And here's the thing. You can't possibly make those things happen. And you can't go back to being a, the same person that you used to be and expect those results because you're not that same person anymore. So that's pretty much the introduction. I'm going to get you out of here. But bear with me because i got to get the, to, the, to the meat of this. Getting back on course in life. And this is gonna, this is gonna help you if you're off course. It's also gonna help you if you have somebody in your life that is off course. Okay? When, when, let me get back to my, my pastor scripture. Um, in verse, let's look in verse four. Now they're out there fishing all night. They didn't catch nothing. They were, I'm sure if they were like normal fishermen, they were frustrated. Okay? And then verse four says, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, children, do you have any food? Uh, it says when the morning came that Jesus stood on the shore. It doesn't say that he appeared. You can think what you want to. I believe Jesus was there all night. Just like he was the night that he prayed for him all night during the storms on the sea. I believe the Lord was there all night. I say, why do you believe that? Because he loves us. Even when we're drifting. When, when you're when you're drifting, you have somebody in your life drifting, and it's, it is dark, and, and and their life is going in that direction. Understand, the Lord is our shepherd, and a shepherd always watches his sheep, even if it's they choose to be watched from a distance. The Lord never leaves us; He never forsakes us; He never goes. You know what? You're off course, and you better. If you'll notice here, the disciples didn't call out to Him; He called out to them. The Lord always, and that's what gives you hope when somebody, if you have somebody in your life's off course, understand whether you can see them or not, he's watching them. And he can see them, and he continues as the great shepherd to call to his sheep and to bring us back to a place that we need to be. And I want to point out something because a lot of people have the idea 
that when you're off course, that all of a sudden God rains out, you know, wrath and and troubles and all this stuff. And because and I hear people, and I, and I know it's true sometimes, but sometimes we get the idea that, you know, well, you got to get to the bottom of the barrel before you look up. That's not necessarily true. The Lord doesn't have to bring havoc into your life. If you'll notice, it doesn't say the, the sea was stormy. He was over a hundred yards from them and they could hear him. So it tells me it was a calm morning. It was a calm night. It wasn't like he brought storms and troubles and winds and all that stuff. He just let him fish. Sometimes the Lord just lets us do what we're going to do so that we can learn from it and go, this is not what I want. And so in that, the problem was they were fishing on, on the wrong side of the boat. And and I think sometimes I find myself fishing on the wrong side of life. If you look at your life and it's not producing what you desire in your heart as a believer, you're like, this is this is I'm, the route that I'm on. It's not giving me what I want. And be, I'll be honest with you here, I've kind of been off course and drifting for a little while now, wrestling with some different things in my life, you know, weighing out some different stuff between life and ministry and all those things and. And it it, uh, it amazes me how God says, I'll let you search that out. Maybe I don't get what I'm saying, but I'll just talk for a minute. But sometimes in life, God will let you search out the things you wonder about. Would it be better if I did this or if I invested my life in this? And the Lord's like, go ahead, fish a while. And then you go out and you fish and you put out your very best efforts because you're like, I'm going to make it better. And it doesn't get better, you know. And I can I think the Lord has a sense of humor because he cries out and he says, you know, Here's where he comes along. He's like, I'm going to get y'all fishing on the right side of life, on the right side of the boat. Because God wants us to have the desires of our heart when our desires are good. He wants to bless you. He wants you to have a good life. He wants you to have peace and joy. He wants your life to be full. That's what the word says all the way through it. And so he comes along and uh, and he cries out and he says, hey, y'all got any food? You catching any fish? And I, I love their answer. It was just, No. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, this, this is not a Bible study or something. It was just like, hey, how's it going for you? Y'all ever hear the Lord say that to you? Yeah, how, how's it going for you? Now that you're trying this way that you thought was going to work, you thought it would be so great, you thought you could fix everything. Is it producing anything? No. And then the Lord comes along and goes, cast your net on the other side. They didn't recognize the Lord at this point. Why did they do this? I don't know why they did it. I don't know if they was like, who's that old man on the bank? You know, what's he thinking? Cast your net over and show him that he don't know nothing. You know, all of a sudden they catch all these fish. All right, but anyhow, here's what, here's what I want you to see about Jesus. He addresses them as children. You not, you not see that's what the Lord wants from you. He's, he is your daddy. And he's like, do y'all have, do y'all have any fish? Do y'all have any food? He says, no. You know, when when you look at the Lord not as, you know, the cosmic God who sits on the, you know, the gold throne with a scepter waiting to pop you and and judging you and looking at you for all your mistakes. And, you know, it wasn't like he was going, hey, y'all know y'all rebelling. You're out there and you're not supposed to be. And I want you to feel really bad. Roll back over here and crawl your nose up on the bank and, and get right with me. All this terminology that we come up with, he doesn't say that. He says, hey, children, I'll, I want you to know, even though you're drifting, you're still my children. Amen. And that I'm your daddy, and I'm a faithful daddy, and I'm a loving daddy. And he calls us to simply trust and obey. That's what this was. This was a decision where he just said, you know what, I'm going to tell you what will work for you. Cast your net on the other side. 
At that moment, they could have said, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to, we've been, we know more than, <laughs> oh man, some, been there in my life, met some church folk. We know all that. We know more than what you think we know. We know more than you, God. And we've already been fishing all night. They, you know what they did? They, they heard. For whatever reason, they chose to trust and obey and try it. And they cast their nets. And the Bible said that they had a great fish of, I want to point out to you in, in a minute, it was big fish, large fish. It was the, it was the best fishing trip that they had ever had in their life. Because here's the thing. Grace produces what your efforts cannot produce. So many people try in life to to produce something that they think that works will produce or money will produce or religion will produce or, or all these different things that we try when God says grace produces what you can't possibly produce. Psalm 37, 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Doesn't say delight yourself in religion. Delight yourself in trying, trying this and doing that, and, you know, and all these things that you think, you know, getting right and <laughs> all the, the ideas we have about what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. He said, "Hey, delight yourself in the Lord." Well, so, what are you talking about? Delight yourself in the Lord. Well, let's see what the Scripture says. It says in verse seven <clears throat> that they recognized that it was the Lord. You know, sometimes when you're drifting, you need to pay attention because the Lord's always doing something. So that you'll recognize, you know what, even though I'm drifting, the Lord's still with me. I've drifted so many times in my life and I've drifted so far away. And all of a sudden look up and see something that only God could do and you go, Lord. You're still, you're still with me even though I'm being an idiot. And so therefore the disciple whom Jesus, uh, loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now Simon Peter, you know, he had his coat off and, and he was girded up, and so he puts his outer garment on, and he plunges in. I love Peter's love for the Lord right there. He plunges in. I want to be a plunge-in believer. He plunges into the sea, but the other disciples came with a little boat, for there was too far, or not too far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net and the fish. And then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw fire of coals. Underline this, you don't miss this. They saw fire of coals there, and fish laid up on it, and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish which you have caught. And so, um, verse 11, Simon Peter went and he dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. These were, these are average of, uh, around, they say, uh, 15 to 20 pound fish. And all they, the, although there were so many, the net was not broken. You know why? Because grace never fails. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread, he gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Here's the life that he has for us. Number one, it doesn't mean that Jesus needs anything from you. Some of us think that the life that Christ has for us means that, that God needs me and he, he wants me to do this and he's got a calling in my life and no, no matter what I do, he's going to kind of force his way upon me. You say, how do you know he doesn't need you? He, he, he already had fish and bread there. He said, I want to make it a point. I don't need your fish. I don't need anything you have to bring to the table. I've got the table prepared. We don't bring anything to the table of salvation. He's like, I've already prepared everything. What do you want, Lord? I want you to come have breakfast with me. Here's something I want you to, I want to drive home in your brain this morning, in your heart about church. The Lord ain't getting together with a Bible study here. He's not. A, it's not a Sunday school lesson. It's not a one-hour service where he's standing up and going, y'all sit down and let me get you right. Y'all drifting, and it says over here in such and such book. You understand what I'm saying? What is the core basis 
of, of our delight in the Lord is that we love the Lord and we love his family. This was a family get together. Surrounding, surrounded by food and fellowship. That's, that's what church should be. It's not about where a bunch of strangers get together based upon truth. Okay, I'm not taking away from that. I'll clarify that, man. But, you know, we want to make sure everything's truth. We're all dressed right. It's the right time. Everything, you know, and we're going to hear the word. We're going to be fed. And then we're going to go, you know, 200 different ways or how many people's here. That's not what God ever intended for church to be. God intended for church to be a fellowship of his family where we get together based upon truth and love. Okay, one without the other is no good. To where we love each other and we encourage each other and we bless each other and we just fellowship. Delighting yourself in the Lord is every day you're like, Lord, I just want to walk with you. And I just want to talk and I want to share my heart and I want to hear what you've got to say to me. And I want to lift up my family to you. And we get together. Now, I, I think church should be a joyful experience where some people just want to leave full of guilt. I don't know why you want to do that. I want to leave full of hope. Amen. I want to leave and go, man, I love these people and they give me so much hope and they build me up and, and I look forward to the next time we can get together. If you go back study in the book of Acts, what happened? Just about every time they got together, for some reason, there was fish and there was bread and there was fellowship and there was love and there was unity and there was a good spirit there. That's what God intends for us, what he intends for our life and our families. You know, the church should just be a group of loving families who get along at home, who come together and become a family as one in church and we love everybody and we work through our struggles and we work through our trials and and uh, and we honor God in that but so many people want to make love our, our church have to be something to where it's it's all about you know the next Bible study the more knowledge and all that stuff and and you can have all the knowledge in the world it's going to put this out to this morning you can have all the knowledge in the world. You can have the Bible memorized. You can have Bible studies six days a week. Come to church and be here all day. When everybody else leaves, you come up and pray for the rest of the evening until we get back Sunday night. And if you don't love, it's vain. It's absolutely nothing. We've we've made Christianity out. Notice Jesus. I want a few things I want to point out. Jesus didn't say, <clears throat> there's some things we need to confront, guys, because y'all are drifting. Y'all are out here doing what I told you not to do. I want you to feel really bad. This is called conviction. And I want all y'all to, maybe Jesus too, I want y'all to come up here. I want you to bow down. I want you to get right. He didn't do any of that. He didn't even bring up the fact that they were fishing maybe when they weren't even supposed to be out there. He didn't say, what's it feel like to be unproductive? Now you know the chastisement of the Lord. You know, those things we get this idea that God is just out to get us and control us and micromanage our lives and make us do things that we know we should do but we don't want to do. Everything that I see in this passage of scripture is what Jesus went to the cross, was buried and rose again. He's like, I love y'all. I want y'all here with me. I want to fellowship with you. I want to pour out love upon you. I've provided everything we need. I don't need nothing from you. I don't need you to serve me. I don't need. He doesn't need any of that. He doesn't need us here this morning. He's like, I want you to be here because you're fellowship with me. Does that make sense? Y'all wait. All right. Let's, Let's move on. So, so here's the thing. Jesus brings Simon Peter. To make some decisions, okay? And he starts off here, he, I think he kind of got off to himself with Peter, and, and he brings Peter back into place, because Peter was the one leading this crew, so now he's gonna, he's gonna kind of get Peter back to where he needs to be on course. And he says in verse 11, Simon Peter, or, or he says in verse, let me, let me skip that, verse 13, Jesus then came and he took the bread, he gave it to them, likewise the fish. So first and foremost, they fellowship. Second thing, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, when they had eaten, eaten breakfast, there I am. 
Jesus said to Simon Peter, notice how he addresses him. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Here's what I want to ask you. Some people say, I think he was talking about the other disciples. I think he was talking about the fish. I think that all of a sudden he called Peter. Maybe Peter was thinking about, I can't live up to all this being a preacher and this changing the world for Jesus and all this stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to go back. I really, I really love, you know, the fishing, the smell of the ocean and the wind in my face. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't demand. He didn't force. He gives us a choice. You can choose to live out your life as Simon, son of Barjona. I can choose to live out my life as Randall, son of Randy. I can be a builder. I can I can invest my life 95% of that. I can walk away from the ministry today and I can live that life out. Not that I'm trying to be sinful or, or anything, but just go, this is I'm this ministry stuff ain't for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, it's what I like, it's what I know, it's what I'm comfortable with, it's what I can accomplish. And I think the Lord will go, okay, if that's what you want to do. But here's the question. Jesus says, and this is the core of your relationship to God. He said, he didn't say, Peter, you get all the sin out of your life. Peter, you stop using your foul mouth. Peter, have you decided, you know, that you're going to be faithful? He said, Peter, do you love me? Not just that, do you love me more than these? I might as well be honest with you. <laughs> you know, over the last few weeks, you know, and when I was gone, I was sick. I wasn't skipping church. But during that time, I really started looking at ministry in the church. I thought, Lord, you know, I've been here 12 years, and and maybe it's time for me, you know, to do something different. And so I was praying about that. And honestly, you know, outside of church, as far as secular work, I've I've probably got more work now than I ever had. And and I'm enjoying that sort of what I'm doing. I know that some of you are already judging me. Whatever. All right. But I am enjoying that and that kind of stuff. And, and so I thought, Lord, why, why are you giving me all this work? And, you know, you know, maybe, maybe the Lord wants me to do more in this area and, and da, da, da. And, and honestly, God, maybe that's why God let me wrestle with this, but he brought me to a point to where, um, I felt like he asked me that question. Do you love me more than these? You'll notice this was the best fish catch that they ever had. We don't make a decision to follow Jesus when everything's bad. Some people do. When life falls apart, okay, I ain't got nowhere else to turn now, I'll turn to Jesus. I don't think he wants that. I think he wants to bless you and give you everything that you think life is about. And when it's all good and you've had your best time and your your best moment, then he goes, now, I want you to decide. Do you love me more than this? And I looked at, mm, I looked at my life and I thought, Lord... I don't, this, this, I don't care about these. You know, I enjoy whatever God wants me to be involved in, but my life doesn't revolve around, that's not who I am. I, I don't take, I love my daddy, but I'm not, that's not who I am. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm Randall, the son of Jesus is who I am. And that's who I want to be. I don't want to live my life out as a Simon. You know, what I can do and what I can produce because, you know, if you, if you've ever been there, when, when life seems in the world like it's at this best moment, it really still leaves me really empty. When the world gives me all that I think that I thought would bring me happiness and I've had it and I look at it and go, this ain't it. This is, this is not what I'm looking for in the Lord's life. It's because you're looking for what I can give you. And I think every one of us in here need to decide whatever your these is. God has a plan for your life, and the devil always has these. 
And you have to decide because the Lord's not going to force you. He's not going to force you to follow him. He's not going to force you to, to trust him. He's not going to force you to love him. You have to decide, dude. If I want what God has for me, I need to decide. Do I do I love Jesus more than these? Maybe these is your job. Maybe these is your reputation. Maybe these is your accomplishments. Maybe these is your, your great fun and your great enjoyment or, or your dreams that you think is going to give you what. And the Lord just says, I just, I just want to know, do you love me? Do you, do you love me more than these? Because that's the basis of Christianity is if I love him, then that changes everything. It changes everything. It changes who I am. It changes how I live. It changes my goals, my pursuits. It changes the way I act towards other people. Because you'll notice there, <clears throat> he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, then feed my lambs. Take care of my little ones. And he said to him again the second time, he asked him again, Simon. He didn't say Peter. He said, Simon, thank you, brother. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? You see, this is not a question of truth. Because if he would ask Peter, do you you believe the truth? Lord, you know I believe the truth. Because truth was established back in the book of Matthew. Remember back in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And he said, you know, some say you're this, some say that. And he looked at Peter and he said, who do you say that I am? And, And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, Simon, son of Barjona, son of Jonah, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. And I say to you, you are Peter. And upon this church I will build my, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, you already know the truth. A lot of you already know the truth. I think there's churches everywhere where they know the truth and believers everywhere where they have the truth. Truth is not in question. Love is in question. Truth will not change your life. You understand that? You can know the truth and go on living life however you live it. I've known the truth my entire life. And even after I've saved, I know the truth and I do more Bible studying and more Bible studying and I know more truth and more truth and more truth. Yet I look at my life and go, why am I not more like Christ? Why am I not living my life out in a way where I see miracles and where I see God using me in mighty ways? Why do I not see some of the things? And Jesus goes, boy, do you love me? So why do you have to ask that question? You know, I stand for truth. He said, I want to know, do you love me? Because when you combine truth with love, then everything changes. It's not the truth that holds you back. It's the heart. It's the heart condition of love that holds you back. And so in that, um, I want you to, I want to finish up and look at where he says in, in verse, um, I think it's 18. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Verse 18, here he is. Notice this. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, When you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. You know, as a young believer, I believe the Lord lets us make decisions. We decide what we're going to do. We take care of ourselves, you know, that kind of stuff. But then he says this, he says, but when you are, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. There's a lot of people who want to be Simon, son of Jonah, because they don't want to go where they don't want to go. Some people go, I don't know about those changes. I don't, I don't know what God has for me. Neither do I. 
And we like to, when we're younger we, and when we're immature, we like to handle, we think we handle life. We take care of ourselves. We're talking girding up ourselves. I dress myself. I take care of myself. I go where I want. I'm going to do what I want. And the Lord said, but when you're old, when you get a belly full of that and you've, and you've seen what that life has for you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to stretch forth your hands. And I know he's talking about Peter's death, but Peter was crucified. But you know, here's the thing. Why, why in the world was Peter crucified? Remember Peter was crucified upside down. They were going to crucify him and he said, I, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not worthy to be identified with my Lord in that way. Crucify me upside down. Why was he willing to do that? Because he figured out being Peter was worth dying for. The life that Christ had for him. He stretched forth his hand. That means I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to what I think that I can do in life. And what I want out of life. And I want what you have for me Lord. Because I trust you. And I believe you. And you know what? When you do that, Lord's like, now I'm going to get you dressed. And I'm going to make you the person I want you to be. And notice this. He didn't say, hey, you keep up. You do what he said. I'm going to carry you where you would not. I don't want to see what, what I can get out of life. I want to see where God's going to carry me to where I normally would not go. I don't want to live an average, normal, go to church, be good, do right Christianity. Maybe you want that and you're good with that. God bless you, but that's not for me. I want to see the Lord in ways that only He can carry me into. And I want to love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength because He's worthy of that. And then, and then he makes it very simple. Finishing up in 19, he said, he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, say, say, define Christianity to me. What is it? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be a, a born again believer? Two words. Jesus said, follow me. That's what a Christian, you ought to be able to look at your life and go, is my life Am I a follower of Jesus? I got so, oh, man, there's so many different stupid ideas and thoughts about what being a Christian is. And in this culture, you know, half the people are Christian now. I used to say everybody, but now at least there's some honest people that will say, no, I hate God. But but you, you talk to people about what Christianity is, and you have a hundred different ideas about us doing this and me doing that, going to church and this and that. Christianity is this. I'm a follower of Jesus. Quit asking people if they're saved. Start asking them, do you love Jesus? Because you'll get a lot of different answers. There's a lot of people who who will tell you they're Christian, but they won't tell you they love Jesus. And that's what it's all about. And I tell you this morning, when you look at your heart and you examine your life and you look at it, my question to you is, do you love Him? Because if you love Him, you're not only going to love Him, but you're going to. So Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. You're going to love everybody else, and you're going to begin to love people and show people that love. Being a Christian is, if you want to boil the fat off of it, it's really simple, but it's really powerful and it leads to a totally different life and it can change our culture. It can change your family. It's not about you getting all the, the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed. It's about, if you said to me, what, my, my life is not where I want it to be. I've drifted off. My family's drifted. What I need to do, my advice to you would be, you need to love Jesus and follow him. You do that and he'll fix everything. He'll carry you. He'll carry your marriage. He'll carry your children. He'll carry everything to where you could never possibly carry him. Because grace produces what we cannot possibly produce. Hopefully this helped you out some. All right. So if you'll stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed.